In this week's media box, I'm going to look at some cool gadgets and gear for the summer. I have reviews of The Lone Ranger, Evil Dead, and Spring Breakers. I'll be talking about Defiance with actress Jamie Murray, and I'll close the show with Regina Spector's latest single. To start off this week though, here's Laura Preppen chatting about Netflix's new series, Orange is the New Black. Um, I basically got this role and then they were like, you know, in 14 hours you have to move to New York and go to prison. I'm like, cool. <laughs> so, um, but in terms of the prep, honestly, I really just tried to, cause she, it's not like I'm gonna go method it out and go be like Daniel Day-Lewis in Europe and like, you know, with the small girls rock, you know? But, um, yeah, basically, I just tried to, like, humanize her, you know, I tried to just relate with her as a woman just going through all these things, and um, that's kind of how I always like to first get into my characters, like, how can I personally relate to this woman, and how could I humanize her? Because to play a manipulative, drug and lesbian, I was like, how the hell, like, what the hell am I going to do? Um, but it worked out, and it's great, and she's an awesome character, and she acts tough, but she's got a really... It's just her exterior. It's Friday, July 12th, 2013, and I'm Andrew Powell, the editor-in-chief of The Gate. You just heard actress Laura Preppen, probably best known as Donna from That 70s Show, talking today about her new series, Orange is the New Black. Arriving yesterday exclusively on Netflix, Orange is the New Black is based on author Piper Kerman's memoir, Orange is the New Black, My Year in a Woman's Prison. The new series was developed by Weeds creator Genji Cohen and explores Kerman's life after she was indicted and sent to prison, with Taylor Schilling playing the role of Piper. Earlier today, I had the opportunity to interview Kerman about her book and the process of bringing it to television. Here's what she had to say about how the book was transformed for the screen. So the show is an adaptation of my book, Orange is the New Black, and it is an adaptation, so some of the storylines, right. particularly Piper Chapman's storyline, um, <laughs> diverge wildly right. from some of the, the truth of the book. Right. Uh, that said, you know, from the, the writing to the casting to the production design, you know, they have created this world, the world of Litchfield Prison, which I believe is an incredible reflection of life in a minimum security women's prison. Mm -hmm. So I think that the themes of the book, you know, friendship and empathy, you know, serious themes like substance abuse and mental illness, you know, questions of guilt and shame, family, you know, love, um, those, all those themes from the book are front and center in the show. And so, you know, that's really thrilling for me. <laughs> so I met Taylor Schilling for the first time on set when they were shooting the first episode, and I couldn't be more thrilled with her performance. And I remember we were watching a, a complicated scene from the first episode when, when Piper insults Red, which is actually drawn, very, drawn from the book very directly. <laughs> and I remember watching that scene take place, watching them shoot it, and just feeling like, ah, oh, this is all going to be okay. I've never been incarcerated in a men's prison, so I can't comment on the sort of the what that community is like and how it's different. But what I hear from people who have worked in both kinds of prisons, for example, is that women are very community minded, even behind prison walls. Um, and that is sometimes a difference between those populations. So, you know, I attended a women's college when I was an undergraduate. And so, uh, you know, I often reflected upon the similarities and differences between going to, you know, a pretty elite women's college in the U.S. and being incarcerated in a women's prison. There are some surprising similarities and also some dramatic differences because as a society, we build certain institutions for certain people and we build certain institutions for certain other people. 
Um, and I think that's a really intentional choice. And I think that that result, I mean, that's a reflection of some of the inequality that we see play out in the criminal justice system. Well, the, t- the title Orange is the New Black is, is obviously sort of a, a cheeky reference to, you know, that classic fashion trope. However, it also refers to the fact that in the U.S., women have been the fastest growing percentage of the prison population for the last 20 years. It is, mm-hmm. The percentage of women in prison in the U.S. has grown by 800 percent. Yes, it's just very, very stark. So actually, the book, the title is also sort of a, a subtle reference to that, mm-hmm. that more and more the person wearing an orange jumpsuit is a, maybe a woman. I'm really curious, what made you write the book? Like, And the, the other stories that you've written for newspapers mm-hmm. and publications, mm-hmm. What I mean, it must... I mean, to me, it must have taken a lot of bravery to write this into a story. And why? Thank you. Why? To say. What made you take that leap? Um, I came home from prison, so I formed these very strong relationships with some of the other women when I was behind bars. And, you know, I saw a lot of things when I was in prison which just struck me as powerfully, powerfully unfair, not to me as a person, but much more broadly. Um, I saw the way in which most of the the vast majority of the women that I was incarcerated with had never had access to the education or, mm-hmm. you know, m- many of the you know really basic middle class advantages, not, not unusual advantages from a middle class person's perspective, and so and then the criminal justice system itself treats people in very different ways. Different Americans are treated very differently by the criminal justice system, so. Um, I came home and what I found is that almost to like the last man and woman, everyone wanted to hear as much about the experience as I was willing to tell, mm. which got exhausting. No. <laughs> um, so, so I just, it seemed like the story had currency. Prison, life in prison is very hidden from the public, very intentionally hidden from the public um, behind prison walls. So um, I thought that maybe by telling my own story, people might come away from it with a different sense, a different idea of who is in prison than conventional wisdom tells us, um, and why they're there, you know, what types of offenses put people in prison, very different than I think what most people assume, and what actually happens to them there, which I think life in prison is very different, at least in my experience, mm. than what is typically represented. So that that's what I hoped, mm. hoped for, and the show, Absolutely does that. I think. I mean, uh, uh, viewers have to draw their own conclusions. But I, from my point of view, you know, when I think about what I wanted to accomplish in the book and what the show does, I couldn't be more thrilled. In addition to interviewing Kerman, I also had the chance to speak with Orange is the New Black stars Laura Preppen, who plays Alex, and Jason Big, who plays Piper's partner Larry. Here they are speaking about their experiences with the new series. As a female, you know, actress, it's like you always try to look for roles that are challenging and different and new. And and a lot of it's like, it's hard to find a really awesome role, you know, for, uh, you know, an actress. Like when we're reading roles, it's like another, you know, typical whatever. And the whole point is like to try to find those roles that really stimulate you, you know, as an artist or whatever. And when I read this script, there's not just my role, there's, so many rad roles for these actresses, you know? Um, So for me, I was like, whoa, this is awesome for me, but it's rad for all these other women. 
Um, so when I, you know, read Alex, I'm like, well, she's just so cool, you know? And she's like rockabilly and like tatted and like <laughs> black hair and like, you know, glasses and everything. I'm like, she's a badass. I mean, the tats was a whole situation because we were like, I actually wanted to be more tatted. I'm like, I want to be more tatted. Like I wanted like a half sleeve. I'm like, do it. I'm like, if we're going to do it, let's like do it. But, um, Genji had a very specific thing of what she wanted. And it's funny because there's one tattoo that my makeup artist like, we hate. And Genji loved it. And I was like, Genji, really do I need to have that tattoo? And we hated it. And there's like this little tattoo of a woman on my arm. Next, I have like this gorgeous rose. And then there's like this little like woman stuck right here. And we're like, Genji, really? And she specifically was like, no, I want that one. And we're like, fine. And every time, I'm telling you, every time we put that tattoo on my arm, it never wanted to stick on her right. My makeup artist and I were like, it's just, she knows we hate her. And we're like, every time this freaking tattoo was such a disaster. But um, but I love my tattoos. One, I love the rose, and my favorite one was the salt over my shoulder. I love that one. Um, but yeah, I mean, and the rockabilly look, it, it took a little bit to, to figure out, but once we got it, it was it was really cool. Cause another thing that's so cool about the show is like we all wear the burlap sack uniforms, like the gross, like whatever, where we didn't even have to shave because you're not gonna see anything. Um, but the whole thing was like, how do we, you know, all these women are such individuals and they're so different. It's like, how do we individuate, like, you know, um, how do we kind of make each person like distinctive? And like, so my character's like, you know, I would roll my sleeves up and like, I always had the black eyeliner that I would get through the barter system and I always had my glasses. And then another character, she would like make her makeup with like Kool-Aid powder and, you know, Vaseline and like, cause her character always was like done, you know, cause she ran the salon in the prison. Mm -hmm. And it's like all these cool little things that we would do to like make our characters individual. So for the rockabilly thing, we just knew that if I like had rolled up sleeves a lot and have my black eyeliner somewhat, we kind of keep a little bit of the rockabilly flair, but we mainly showed it in flashback. But yeah, we basically just kind of figured out, okay, what, what, what would Alex kind of do? And we just kind of came up with rockabilly stuff. Alex is just wily and, and smart and she just does what she does to survive. And you know, she even says like when she's, yeah, she runs the international drug ring, but she's good at it. <laughs> she's like, I'm good at what I do. And the, the other thing about Alex that people don't really realize is like, she likes being in a position of power. She's in a position of power over Piper. And like we always talk about in any of the scenes, like in the scene in the pilot where she's stripping for me or in any of our like sexual stuff, I'm the spider and she's the fly. And I just sit there and I'm just like, you're going to do what I tell you to do. You know what I mean? And that was kind of our relationship. But, but Alex is also so in love with this girl, you know, and Alex and Piper like ruined her, like totally like ripped her heart out. You know what I mean? So these are, these are all things you learn as the show progresses, but it's like, you know, it, it was interesting playing. So Alex just likes having that power and likes running this drug ring and having these girls be your drug mules. Taylor is is just so uh, so easy to be around. Like she is just an amazing scene partner. Like she really, really is. She is. First of all, she's like an amazing actress. I mean, she's gonna like uh, she's gonna win all, every fucking award for that. She's so good. Like I just love her, and she she. Deserves all the positive notice because she's just such a good person and good heart and the whole thing. But you just, as soon as I met her, you just felt that. She's just so warm and, you know, and uh, and welcoming and uh, unselfish and complimentary, you know. She's, like, really, like, she's really present, you know. And so, 
when you have all of that, when you have an actress that's just like one of those special actresses like Taylor, it's just so easy. It's to have chemistry, you know. It's there's nothing that's fabricated about it. It's just very organic, and so um, yeah. So it was great. So Genji actually brought, you know, she was cast first, naturally, and um, then uh, Genji brought me in to uh, to read with Taylor, and um, you know, it's just it was like right away. It was it was really great, and so you know, when we started filming, you know, we had already had that chemistry read together, and. You know, um, and actually the first scene that we shot was like literally the very first scene was uh, me uh, was uh, dropping her off at, at the prison and saying saying goodbye, like hugging her and saying goodbye specifically, not just like the driving shot or the thing, like the shot that was my first shot was like hugging her and like getting choked up and saying goodbye to her, which, you know, if it was anyone other than Taylor, because I was already freaked out and nervous because I don't really do that kind of thing. I masturbate. <laughs> I don't I don't cry. Maybe I cry while masturbating, <laughs> you know, because it's so good. It feels so good, but, not, you know, so, 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 but, but, you know, like I, I was out of practice. I mean, I don't, you know, I just don't, I don't do as much of that stuff. I don't do as much sort of more serious stuff, emotional stuff. And so I was nervous. Uh, and with anyone else, I would have been uh, way less confident, way more nervous. And, and so right away, first scene, and she's just the best. You know, she was just like, couldn't have been a more supportive uh, person to, for me as an act, like to like, Jason, this is, you're awesome and this is great and so good. But also like, just like, I really felt like, sad i only knew this girl for fucking two weeks and i like really felt sad dropping her off at, fucking, at this fake prison in rockland county i was like man you're so sweet i like i fucking don't want to drop you off good luck i guess i'm gonna go home and masturbate <laughs> because you know when i first read the pilot you know i don't and and even the 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 writers and genji i mean i don't think they've fully knew exactly how it was all going to play out. They were still sort of figuring it out. Um, but I, you know, it was established that he was going to be her rock, you know? And so you meet Larry, he's like this nice guy, he's the good guy, you know? And he's he's sort of the more conservative of the two. Like, he's aware of her sort of crazy girl past. I think he's attracted to it, actually. I think, you know, you meet these, like, sort of more sort of conservative people or, like, the people that don't, will never make, like, the dirty joke, but they're the first person to laugh at your dirty joke. And they're like, oh, shit, I just laughed at that, you know? It's like, he's got a little bit of that in him, I think, you know? And so he's, like, a little attracted to that, but she's ostensibly changed and she's not that anymore. And he doesn't know the extent to which, obviously, that she's, how crazy she had been. But, um... Basically, he's going to be a rock, but we knew that, you know, over the course of a season, um, one of the things in play for the series would be the strain on their relationship, um, and a consequence of her being away physically is just, you know, there's there's obviously something to play with, but emotionally, w where does that leave Larry? How much of a rock can he can he be for her over this? 15-month period, but also introducing Alex into the mix, 
uh, in the prison, what does that do to the whole scenario? I don't know how much you guys have seen, uh, so I don't want to give too much away. But um, but it's uh, he's tested. The whole thing gets shaken up. So for me, I was just like, you know, in terms of approaching it, I was just, um, there was really no, I guess, uh, it wasn't very calculated. It was just like, I, I knew that, you know, uh, he his foundation was going to be rocked. I mean, it is right away. I think Larry, I think he probably, he was more rigid. He probably was planning on proposing in six months. And then all of a sudden, she's going to prison. He's like, fuck. You know, like when he, he's like, this throws everything off. Like, I, son of a bitch, how do I do this, you know? And then he hears that Alex is in the prison. He's like, oh my God, this is going to throw everything off again. Like, how do I, how do I keep this shit together? And he's trying so hard to keep all of this stuff together. And, and it's all unraveling around him. And then he kind of starts to unravel. That's, that was sort of how I sort of saw the big picture of it. With summer in full swing, I want to talk a little bit about some of my favorite gadgets for the season, which may come in handy during vacation time and trips to the cottage or camping. Fernand loves pop or even Italian sodas and wants to try making them at home or at the cottage. Soda Stream is a great gadget that comes in at just $100 for a starter kit that includes a machine, a carbonation cylinder, and a 1 liter reusable bottle. Using the SodaStream machine, you can make your own pop from tap water for around 33 cents a liter. You just put water in the bottle, use the SodaStream machine to carbonate it, and then add a flavored syrup. The only flaw with SodaStream is that their syrups, which you can buy online or in stores, are made with Splenda, so they taste like Diet Pop, which I'm not really a fan of personally. Thankfully, you can make your own syrups, or I found a few delicious syrups which you can buy at Williams-Sonoma. For the guys out there looking to trim up in the heat, Panasonic's Triple Blade Linear Milano Shaver makes shaving easy for $169. The device works wet or dry and it's waterproof so you can use it in the shower. Best of all, you can also use it with shaving cream. The price tag may be a little high, but compared to other shavers, it's really worth it and it gives a very close shave without any of the usual burn you might expect versus a traditional razor. For anyone looking for a cheap tablet, the ASUS MemoPad sells for $169 and it's a nice portable option for afternoons or longer trips. The 7-inch tablet will not wow anyone with features, but it's a good all-round device that comes in at a right price and it still offers a lot of functionality. For anyone who wants a lot more, they can get the new 8-inch Samsung Galaxy Tab 3, which retails for $299. The tablet is blazing fast, lightweight, and the screen is bright and beautiful. It also comes with front and rear-facing cameras and built-in apps that can even control your television and DVR. For audio enthusiasts, I've got three favorites that all sell for $60 each. With headphones, there's the Cheap & Light RHA SA950i headphones. Marshall offers a stunning minor black earbuds. Or if you're looking for a portable speaker, I'd recommend Spider's Bluetooth speaker. The RHA SA950i headphones are light and affordable, but they still pack in good sound thanks to their 40mm drivers that were developed specifically for your Apple devices. On the other hand, Marshall's minor black earbuds are simple and travel friendly, and they let you hear the world around you while still delivering above average audio. Finally, Spider's Bluetooth speaker is a mouse-sized device that packs a punch and features touch-sensitive controls and a lot more power than you would expect. Best of all, all three products offer a microphone so you can use them hands-free to receive or place calls. Read all my reviews of these products on the gate at thegate.ca where I'll also be giving away a e-reader. Last week I was away on vacation, so this week I'm catching up on releases from earlier this week, plus one new Blu-ray release for next week. First up, let's talk about the Lone Ranger. 
This unfortunate dud at the box office is actually not even remotely as bad as you may have heard, but the film is taking a beating thanks to a slow middle reel and Johnny Depp's portrayal of a Native American that is entertaining but feels a lot like extra fluff that wasn't even necessary. Army Hammer co-stars in the film as the Lone Ranger, and he handles the role well enough that I actually would love to see a sequel. The problem is really in the fact that the film wants to be parts of the Caribbean of the West, which sucks up time and robs the film of any edge. Considering some of the bigger, better films in theaters still, I'd recommend them first, but once The Lone Ranger arrives on Blu-ray, you should take the chance to check it out. All I know is I'm not going to sit here another day. Spring break. How are we going to get enough money I don't in know. time? We're the only ones still here. Spring break. Tired of seeing the same thing. Spring break. It's your chance to see something different. Spring break. Just get that cash. Pretend like it's a video game. We can do this. Spring break. I knew y'all special from the moment I saw you. It's written on your faces. Because I just have a really, really bad feeling about this. Let's cause some trouble now. Break break, bitches! On Blu-ray earlier this week, Harmony Kareen's Spring Breakers is a sexual brass film that defies labeling, except to say that it's an unexpectedly awesome mix of drama, comedy, and bubblegum action. With tongue firmly planted in cheek, especially considering James Franco's scenery-chewing performance, Spring Breakers is a little shockingly odd, but it's also sharply smart, and stars Selena Gomez, Vanessa Hudgens, Ashley Benson, and Rachel Kareen. Lastly, arriving on Tuesday, July 16th, is Fede Alvarez's horror remake, The Evil Dead. This is, the film is bloodied and disgusting, but it's nothing I would recommend since the film is completely humorless. The script feels lazy and the direction is as obvious as it gets for a horror movie. The only highlight of the film, whether you've seen the original or not, is the final 15 minutes which blew me away. This blood-soaked finale almost makes the rest of the film worthwhile, but not quite. Personally, I'd suggest the inspired Cabin in the Woods, which plays homage to the original Evil Dead, before I'd recommend this dumb remake. We're all going to die tonight. I read a passage from that book. I released something evil. On Monday, Showcase's sci-fi series Defiance wrapped up its first season, but before that I had the chance to chat with actress Jamie Murray, who plays Stama Tar. Here's a clip from that interview, which you can read on the gate as she talks about the innovative new series. Really, what always attracts me to a role is, is kind of character and relationships, and, and I certainly think that Stama's um, character and relationships are really complex and... Um, you know, so I knew that as an actress, I would find that challenging and, you know, I, I, it would kind of uh, keep me busy and, and kind of keep me rooting around for um, new things to, to portray about this woman. And, you know, when when you take on a new role, you kind of, you, you know, this is somebody that you're going to be with for a while. And, 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 and is this a, um interesting person to spend your days thinking about you know it's funny uh julie benz who is one of my good friends from dexter obviously is playing amanda on on defiance and you know often we'll we'll hang out um particularly when we're in toronto filming the show and you know we'll sit there for the evening kind of talking about um our characters and, oh. and, and sometimes you know i'll say to her isn't that funny we're sitting here talking about 
two women that don't exist, and we're talking in depth about how they feel about stuff. Um, so uh, it's, it's a funny situation when you're on a TV show, um, and you know, often, you know, hopefully you're going to be with these people for you know, for years and years. The other thing that I particularly liked about Defiance is, it's you know, you're talking about a world 35 years in the future and you're talking about a world with seven species competing for space on this planet and uh, you know it's so skewed and it's so fantastical that as a viewer you can watch it and you know you don't it's not like you're holding up a mirror um you know it's obviously because it's such a different world that you're showing, but actually all the themes that you're talking about are so relatable. But you, it, I feel as though as an artist, I'm able to, um, you know, play with issues like, for example, with Stammer, um you know, whether it be in the marital home or whether it be because of how repressed her gender is in her um, in the society that she comes from, uh, back from her own planet, or um, whether we're talking about, you know, the class structure from her own planet. They're all interesting themes to be discussed, um, but in a very new way. Um, in fact, um, you know, it, through um, investigating and, and looking at... Um, uh, what it is to be alien, it forced me as, uh, you, you know, it forced Jamie to look at, again, in, with fresh eyes, what it is to be human. And, mm-hmm. you know, it's just um, an interesting way of investigating old and important themes and themes that hopefully the viewer, you know, you re- repackage them in a way that, you know, the viewer isn't kind of saturated and bored with them and kind of look at, can, can look at them with fresh eyes and maybe kind of take them on board in a different way. Closing out Media Box this week and staying in the theme of Orange is the New Black, I'm delighted to have Regina Spector's new single, You've Got Time. The track, which is also the theme song to the series, is available on iTunes now, plus Spector's on tour. For details, visit reginaspector.com. Thanks for listening, and here's You've Got Time. Everything is dead.
second time.